Hello and welcome to Ascent Dental Radio, a program dedicated to the balance between the clinical aspect of healthcare and the business of healthcare. And now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Coughlin. Good evening. You're listening to Ascent Dental Solutions. My name is Dr. Kevin Coughlin, and we're proud to have a new guest with us today, Mr. Ted Dixon. He is owner and principal owner of Dixon Associates, which is an insurance firm in Duxbury, Massachusetts. And I thought our listeners would enjoy hearing about something that many of us make mistakes with, we don't understand fully. And I think with Mr. Dixon's background and expertise, it will be a valuable podcast for our listeners. Before we jump into it, I want to thank our sponsors, and that's Patterson Dental, Vocal Dental, Henry Shine Dental. Without their support, these podcasts would not be possible. And also a special thanks to David Wolf and his team that produced these podcasts. Mr. Dixon, thank you so much for taking time from your busy schedule. How about a little introduction about you, your business, and what you've been providing for your clients for over four decades? Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, Dixon Associates is an independent insurance agency. We're based in Duxbury, Mass. Most of our clients are in eastern Massachusetts, and, and but a lot of them are spread out across the East Coast and even out to the West Coast now. We've specialized primarily in employee benefits, but we because we deal with so many small and medium-sized businesses and we're interfacing with the owners and key employees on a regular basis, we also specialize in buy-sell agreements, which lead to individual life insurance policies, disability policies. We specialize in 401k and profit-sharing plans, uh, group disability, uh, dental. And then, of course, the big bugaboo for a lot of businesses, because it's your number two, your number three cost item on your balance sheet, is the employer-sponsored healthcare plans. And that's a lot of our focus over the last five or six years has been trying to shine a, a light on where that spend is going, what employer groups can do to improve upon that spend. Because quite frankly, if you look forward into the next decade, you've got a, an employee group, whatever business that you're running, an employee group who's saying, geez, this is, this is pretty crippling. For example, if I'm a 35-year-old with a family uh, I might be spent, even though my employer is contributing 50% to the health insurance premium, if I have to contribute 50%, that could be upwards of $1,000 a month for a plan with a $4,000 deductible and then some. And it, when you think about it, for somebody who's even earning $75,000, $100,000 a year, a very strong salary, that that amount of money can put me into bankruptcy pretty quickly. So we really have a problem with that area of employee benefits. And most employers don't really know how to fix it because you've been told for so long that this is the way it is and you just kind of keep going and your your broker, your consultant walks in every year with at best a five, six percent increase and some decrease in benefits. At worst you're looking at five, twenty percent increase in costs and it's it's a really crippling thing for any business to deal with, but particularly small businesses, because you're saying, boy, what can we do? But long story short, we deal in all of the benefits. That's just one that has a, a fairly problematic area to it. 
Why don't you talk to our listeners about some of the advantages of being an independent insurance company versus someone who may be dependent? What's basically the difference? What are some of the advantages and potentially any disadvantages? Sure. Yeah, no, and, and it's a great point, Kevin. And I've made a, a so the history of Dixon Associates. You know, I'm not not that old. I did not start Dixon Associates back in 1980. That was my father, Bill. I was still riding around on my 12-speed bike back then. But over the last 10 years, a significant amount of agencies like ours have sold to large regional players, uh, private equity firms, even publicly traded brokerage firms. And what you have to be aware of is when you're working with one of those groups, they have incentives that are not necessarily aligned with yours as a small business. You know, when you're working with a private brokerage that's owned by private equity, for example, the primary focus in a private equity circumstance is how can we grow our business at a certain multiple over the next five years so that we can do the next private equity flip and all of the owners in that business will profit from that private equity flip. Well, that has nothing to do with servicing the clients and looking out for their best interests. And one of the easiest ways, for example, in employee benefits to grow your business is to grow what's called your override or your bonus with a particular health insurance carrier, for example, or a disability carrier for that matter. So we've, you have to realize that as agencies, we've all been shown this carrot. Say, say you put so much business with us at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts, you're gonna get this bonus at the end of the year. And as you can imagine, when you have a big roll up, the larger we can make those bonuses, the more attractive we are to the next flip. So if Blue Cross Blue Shield isn't necessarily the best solution for my client, well, I have a little bit of a conflict there. As an independent agency, I I have no vested interest really in my next flip to private equity or to to get my shareholders uh, a better dividend next year for some of the really large uh, brokerage firms. So that's one of the advantages to working with somebody small. The other advantage is, you know, you're going to be talking when when you're making your decisions on your insurance renewal or whatever decision it is you're making. You're going to be talking to the same people every year. When you're working with a larger agency, you know, if if I'm any good as your account executive, I've probably been promoted within two years of working with you, and now you're working with a new person. So the, the, those are some of the advantages. The, the disadvantage is obviously, well, geez, we count on Ted for all this information. And when he goes on vacation in April, who do we talk to? Right. But, but you know, we, we've been lucky enough at Dixon Associates to be profitable enough so that we can hire a, a pretty substantial staff for a small independent agency. So, what are some of the particulars when you're looking at the average dentist in Massachusetts is going to have between eight? and 15 employees. Mm -hmm. They're going to have gross revenues of about $1.5 million. And they're generally going to be working about 220 to 230 days a year. 
And these employees are generally going to be predominantly female. I'm generalizing here to give a picture to our, our, our audience. And I come to you and I say, my team needs medical insurance. And since your focus is mainly Massachusetts, why don't you describe what are some of the obligations? Is it correct that if you have over 10 full-time employees, you're mandated to offer a medical plan? Just get into some of the weeds here and help educate some of our younger listeners who may be contemplating buying a practice and really are clinically adept, but may not be aware of some of the details associated with owning a business. Yeah, that's great. It's a great question. And it, it's, it has become fairly confusing, Kevin, over the last, I'd say, uh, 15, 16 years. Let's go back to 2006 when uh, essentially in Massachusetts, Romney Care went into effect, right? And you're correct. Romney Care said if you have 11 or more full-time employees, you're required by the state of Massachusetts to offer a group health plan to your employees. Then that, that was made fairly cloudy with the passage of the Affordable Care Act, or otherwise known as Obamacare, in 2010, it was passed, really enacted in 2014. And what the Affordable Care Act said was, if you have more than 50 eligible employees, you need to offer a health care plan. And, and, and what happened was the state of Massachusetts kind of hid behind the Affordable Care Act. So that, that 11 employee rule kind of went by the wayside. It's actually a relatively moot point because I would argue if you're an employer in Massachusetts with any more than four or five employees in any industry other than, say, the restaurant industry, where it's kind of a different uh, look and feel, you know, to, to compete for talented, uh, competent employees, you, you probably should have an employer-sponsored healthcare plan. I, I, it's very rare that I run across any employer with more than five or six employees that doesn't have some form of a employer-sponsored healthcare plan. So get into the weeds a little bit more now on this plan with eight to 15 employees. Mm -hmm. They want to offer this plan. What can that owner expect? Do you usually offer them a menu, one with, let's say, a high deductible, one with a low deductible, one that may have a prescription-based approach to it, one that may not? How do you how do you do this? What are the steps that that new employer will go through so that they're educated, so they can make an intelligent decision and how they'd like to proceed? Because in most of the cases, I assume that the principals, the owners, will also be part of this plan. Correct. Yep. And uh, in our industry, we like to say that these decisions are usually driven by the owner's spouse, <laughs> right? It's, it's he or she that's saying, here's, here's what, we, what I want for a health plan, and the owner is leaning that direction. But as you get a little bigger, you know, obviously there are other stakeholders at play that you need to pay attention to. But yeah, one of the things we're lucky about in Mass, lucky for in Massachusetts is not only do we have great healthcare, obviously. We've got amazing teaching hospitals. We have better access to quality care than most states that, you know, other brokers that I pal around with in the, across the country. We also have some pretty good health plans. But what you need to be aware of as an owner, in my mind these days, 
what's happened with the Affordable Care Act, and Romney Care kind of got it kicked off in Massachusetts, but we've really had this great squeeze to the lower, lowest common denominator. So if you're a business with fewer than 50 employees uh, in, in your business, and I would imagine most of your listeners are in that space, your default is the small group fully insured arena. And here's the good thing about that arena. The health of your group has nothing to do with your rates. Your rates are entirely based on what that pool of employer groups and individuals, by the way, individuals and employer groups are merged together in that insurance risk pool. The the claims are all, the, the, the rates are all driven by that group as a whole, not your particular practice. So you might have, a group of eight where you have two stage four cancers, no big deal. Your rates don't reflect that. The, the problem is that it's becoming more and more pronounced <clears throat> because there are no guardrails on that pool. So a lot of small groups come to me and say, well, geez, if we could form an, just form an association plan with a bunch of other small dentist practices, we would have more buying power with the insurance companies and we could do a better, we could drive better prices. An association plan is only as good as its weakest member. And, and once your practice is associated with a practice that has, you know, people who really use and abuse healthcare, you want to get out of that association as soon as you can. And, and that is what's happening on a larger extent to the small group merged market plans, and, and not just in Massachusetts, but in every state. And, and what smart owners are doing is saying, I want to look at alternatives as well. And Kevin, you and I were talking about the, the, the self-insured health insurance plans that employers have done for years, but what's turned self-funded plans around drastically is the access to information technology, the access to true... So, so I don't want to go too far afield, but let's go back. You know, you and I, when we started work, and I would say... Most CEOs, CFOs, owners of businesses, and even HR managers, we started our working lives. You know, I'm 53, you're 63. You know, we started somewhere in the 1980s, 1990s, even the 2000s. And we're the ones making decisions on employer sponsored healthcare plans. We were taught that you go to work, you're going to get Blue Cross, you're going to get Aetna, you're going to get US healthcare. And your employer is going to pay for most of that premium, and you're going to have access to all the doctors and hospitals that you need. It was pretty good. What, what's happened is we've kind of been the frog boiling in the pot, right? Those now, you know, we're paying $1,000 a month for our family plan and a $6,000 deductible. Well, it's gone far afield. And the simple fact of the matter is in 1990, we didn't really care, and your, your, your practice owners are going to be familiar with the concept of a third party payer right? They all accept Delta Dental or Altus or whatever. They understand and, and they understand the positives and negatives of that third-party payer, right? But the real negative side to third-party payers in healthcare is they're really getting in the way. They're getting in the way of the relationship between the primary care doctor and the employee. They're keeping a huge portion of the resources of your not only your business, but really what you could be paying your employees. 
we have health plans that have decided to use information technology and disintermediate the, the, that third party uh, payor and say, no, we're just going to have a direct relationship between our employer-sponsored plan and the providers. And they're redeploying the money that they're gathering from that relationship and, and doing it in that fashion and applying it and redeploying it to other benefits for their employees, like student loan repayment programs, for example. And th this is all possible now for groups of five, six, or more. A lot of people say, oh, geez, yeah, Amazon's doing that. I read about how they're doing that with Berkshire Hathaway, right? And that, well, Amazon can do that, but we can't do it. It's actually easier for a smaller employer to do this than it is for Amazon to do it because Amazon's getting pushback from the providers. Your eight life dental practice is not going to get much pushback from the providers if you structure your health plan in such a way. And it can be done. And using information technology, using the way things are set up now in, in every other industry, right? We've used technology. I'm sure your, your, your practice owners have used technology to drastically reform their businesses over the last five, 10 years. It's out there for employer-sponsored healthcare plans. It's just that most of us don't know about it. Ted, is there a specific software that's unique to your company or unique to your profession where you compile that, let's say, uh, out of the 12 employees, they're all over the age of 60, okay, mm -hmm. to use an extreme example, and 80% smoke and another 80% drink. And when you put that data together, I'm saying to myself, high risk. And Office D down the street, all their employees are under the age of 30, okay, and they're spending their lunch in the health and fitness arena exercising, they're not drinking, they're not smoking, and uh, they got a body mass index of about uh, 22. So is that the data, what you're talking about putting together to say this pool for being a self-funded plan is relatively low risk in these dollars that aren't going to be used during the year that would have gone to premiums now create this pool of money that can help in those extraneous examples where, you know, Mary breaks a leg, uh, Bill uh, stabs himself with a, a high-speed drill, and they can afford to pay that internally. Is that basically the system? You've got it almost entirely, Kevin. Yeah, that, that technology exists now where I can take a, a look at your 12 folks and understand the risk and, and pretty quickly determine whether self-funding is going to be a good savings for you or you're better off in the pool because there, there's still one or two companies out of 10 businesses where we say, okay, yeah, you're all age 63 and drinking and smoking. You, you should probably, you're getting the deal for your, your uh, overinflated prices with Blue Cross. But I would say eight to nine times out of 10, we're looking at it and saying, hey, there, there's a lot of money here if you were willing to use uh, this information to go to a self-funded plan. Now, what's interesting about self-funding in, in the kind of the last five years, we've developed a product we, we call level funding. So a group of a hundred or more looks at self-funding from the prism of, I want to know what my administration charges are. I want to know what my insurance charges are. I want to know what my expected claims are going to be send me a bill for my 
fixed costs, and then let me know what my claims are each month, and I'll send you that amount of money. Now, a group of 10, you don't want to do your insurance that way. It's too rocky. It's too volatile. So what we do with a group of 10 is we say, we look at that the, the self-funded plan from a, a completely opposite prism. I want to know, okay, I'm somewhat interested in the administrative charges. I'm somewhat interested in the insurance charge, but I want to know what my maximum charges over the course of a year. And we have dozens and dozens of in, uh, underwriters who using the technology that you just talked about, understanding, okay, we have technology now that shows that Ted Dixon shows up at the liquor store four times a week. Uh, we also have the technology that shows that Kevin's a type two diabetic, but he shops at Whole Foods and he has he belongs to two health clubs. We use that information. We create a maximum number for your 10 life group. We divide that by 12. We create an individual rate. We create a family rate. And we just say to you, Kevin, you're going to send us this amount of money each month for your 10 people on the health plan. We're going to pay out of that money. We're going to pay your fixed costs. We're going to pay your claims. Uh, you are not going to, the, the underwriters are taking the risk. In other words, there's still an insurance company. They're taking the risk that something unexpected happens and your costs run higher than we anticipated. But if they run to where we expect uh, or a little bit under, you're going to share in that extra money. So we're probably going to show you a premium that's 20% less than what you're going to pay Blue Cross and Blue Shield for the same plan this year. And we're going to give you a chance to reap the benefits of a good plan year, of a good claims year. If you have a bad claims year, that's insurance. That's what you paid the insurance premiums for. And that's the true way insurance should work. It's just that we, we I, I go back to guys our age. We've been so enamored with these, you know, brand names that take our money and then just kind of spread it out, uh, you know, and, 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 and look at look at the. Uh, Look at the share price of United Healthcare, for example. Since the Affordable Care Act passed, it's up three hundred percent. Are we paying Sky any of our employees? Not? Yeah. Are any of our employees getting three hundred percent more in two thousand twenty-two than they got in two thousand ten? I think not. Yeah. Well, Ted, I want to say thank you so much for taking your schedule today. I know you're busy. I believe our listeners got a lot of information. Is there a way for them to reach out so they can contact you, perhaps because they may be interested, they may need additional information? How can they reach out and make an appointment with Dixon Associates located in Duxbury, Massachusetts? Yeah, I'd be happy to speak to them. There's there's a, cu a couple of ways to get in touch with us. Our website is www.dixon-associates.com. And if you go to the website, you can just ask, uh, you can click on there and, and give us your information and it'll likely be me that will reach out to you. You can send me a text at 781-929-3543. Shoot me a text and I'll send you something back with our, my contact information. And I'll, I'll mail you a copy of a book that I just helped author that uh, goes, goes far deeper into this. So it'll be some fun uh, beach reading for you here in the summer. Ted, thank you so much. Again, to my listeners, thanks for tuning in today. My name is Dr. Kevin Coughlin, owner of Ascent Dental Solutions with a focus on knowledge, education, development, and training. Our special guest tonight was uh, Mr. 
Ted Dixon from Dixon Associates. I look forward to speaking to him in the near future. And again, a shout out to our sponsors, Henry Schein, Patterson Dental, and Vocal. Without their support, these podcasts would not be possible. Have a great evening, and thanks again for tuning in. I look forward to chatting with you in the near future. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.